0: Welcome to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by the Fairfield Inn & Suites, Waco North. Hello and welcome to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast. I'm author and oral historian Jackson Michael. This episode is presented by the Fairfield Inn & Suites, Waco North, And we are honoring the late great Dave Campbell, the longtime editor-in-chief of the legendary Texas Football Magazine. Dave Campbell was a great friend to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. He helped in the effort to move the Texas Sports Hall of Fame from Grand Prairie to Waco. He was the chair of the Hall of Fame's selection committee for over 20 years. He also signed advanced copies of Texas Football Magazine at the Museum each summer. Mr. Campbell passed away in December of 2021. This is the first of two episodes that we will have to honor him. In our next episode, we will have Texas Football Managing Editor Greg Tepper with us to share his favorite stories of Dave Campbell. With us now is Houston Chronicle sports writer John McClain. McClain grew up reading Campbell's work, He later worked for Campbell, writing articles for Texas football, and he sure has a dandy of a story to tell us about his first assignment. Thanks so much for being with us, John. Now, you were a big fan of Dave Campbell growing up. How did you first find out about Dave Campbell?
1: Michael, I was a Cub Scout in Waco when I was nine years old in 1960, and at that point, I loved sports and I used to watch the Yankees every Saturday afternoon on TV. There was no Astros, there were no Rangers, and they put the Yankees on because they were the most popular team in the country. So I fell in love with Major League Baseball and I wanted to be a baseball player. But my Cub Scout troop got to go to Cub Scout night at Baylor Stadium in 1960. They played Colorado. I went to the game. I was captivated, they beat Colorado. And I came home and I told my dad, Curtis McLean, I said, I love the Baylor Bears. And we didn't have a lot of money. We had two bedroom, one bath house. But he tried to get my brother and I, Curtis, whatever he could when it came to sports. So the next thing I know, he got me a Baylor football and a Baylor jersey. And I wore it every day and played with that football in the yard every day after school and he told me one day I was probably still nine maybe ten and he told me if you are really a fan of the Baylor Bears you need to read Dave Campbell I said who's Dave Campbell and he said he's a sports editor of the Waco News Tribune and the Waco Times Herald and I remember asking what's that well one's the morning paper one's the afternoon paper and we take the afternoon paper. He read it every day when he came home and he went straight to the sports section. And he handed me the sports section. And he said, you know, you want to know what's going on with Baylor? You want to know what's going on with Southwest Conference? You got to read Dave Campbell. So I said, okay. So I would take it over to the table and I'd put it on the table and I'd try to read it. But I started reading Dave Campbell when I was nine years old. And I could understand about half of it because Dave was a wordsmith. He was an English major, and he was a great editor, and he had a knack for putting the exact spin on a story the way you wanted to read it. Dave never tried to be too fancy. He never tried to use elitist words as many journalists did and still do. He just tried to write for the people the way he thought they wanted. So I learned so much about Baylor when I was a kid and then when I was a teenager from Dave, never met it, his picture was never on his column and it just said his name and then his prediction column on Friday or Saturday. I can't remember the clouded crystal ball in which he would predict Southwest Conference games. and That was a must read for everybody.
0: Now I heard that there's a really good story about you and Dave Campbell during the time you first started at McLennan Community College.
1: I went to MCC first to take all the hard classes at Baylor that would transfer, because my friends at Baylor would just moan and groan about how hard it was. So I took a lot of classes out there that were easier, that would transfer. Smartest thing I ever did. So I was working at Goldstein McGill's at Lake Air Mall selling men's clothes. And this would have been in 1971, the summer. And uh, one night, uh, a woman came in, and she was rummaging through shirts. And I went over to ask if I could help her, and she said she was looking for shirts for her husband. And uh, so that kind of locked on. She very friendly, asked me my name. I told her, asked me if I was in school. I said, yes. She said, where? I said, MCC. I'm going to transfer to Baylor. And she said, oh, Willie, really? well, what do you want to study? I said, I don't know but I love sports, and I know more football than anybody in Waco. And she stopped, and she kind of hesitated and raised her eye and said, is that right? I said, yes, ma'am. I've been watching the Cowboys since 1916. I've been watching Baylor, and I've been reading columns in the Waco Tribune Herald by Dave Campbell. He's a sports editor, and he knows everything about Baylor, and so do I. She said, huh. And she said, I'll tell you what, will you put these four shirts aside And I'll come back tomorrow and I'll bring my husband and let him pick them out. I said, yes, ma'am. So I did. Next night, Thursday night, we're open till 9 o'clock. It's about 8.50. Everybody's gone. We're folding up shirts. And then here comes this lady. And she's dragging her husband behind her. And I see them when they come in. And you can just tell he'd rather be anywhere else than looking for men's clothes on Thursday night at 8.50 during the fall football season. And... And I looked at him. He was just strained. He looked like he'd rather have a colonoscopy than have to sit there and look at men's shirts. So he started looking through them. I walked over. She said, honey, this is nice young man I was telling you about last night. And he's like, yeah, okay. And uh, I stuck my hand out, but he was looking at shirts, and I pulled it back, and I didn't really care anyway. I just wanted to make the sale because we make commissions. She said, young man, I'm sorry, I can't remember your name, but I remember you told me last night how you know more football than anybody in Waco. I said, yes ma'am, I do. And you said, you read Dave Campbell's sports editor in Waco tribune I said, yes ma'am, I do. That's why I know more football than anybody in Waco. She said, well, uh, young man, I want you to meet my husband. And I stuck my hand out when she said that, and she said, Dave Campbell. And he looked at me and I looked at him and I, my hand started shaking, and and I was speechless. Probably the only time I've ever been speechless. I sounded like Porky Pig. I was like, buh, 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 buh. and he shook my hand and went back to the church. Pointed to a couple of them, said, "Let's go, Reba," and uh, he headed for the door. So I went over to ring her up, and that's how I met Dave Campbell.
0: And then, lo and behold, you ended up working for him.
1: Dave Campbell was so busy writing five and six columns a week and doing everything on Texas football, his right hand man, Hollis Biddle did the hiring. And Dave would sign off on it, and so Hollis actually hired me, and I started there. I ended up working there four and a half years, trying to get through Baylor. It took me a long time because I was working 60 hours a week. Then I'd go back to my apartment and try to study for an hour.
0: That is a rugged schedule. But you still found time to write. Would you tell us about the first story that you wrote for Texas football?
1: One time in the spring of 1973, Dave came to me and he said, would you like to write a story for the magazine? And I'm like, what magazine? He said, Texas football. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I'm not good enough to write for Texas football. I've covered high schools. I've barely been here a year. But I said, yes, sir, I am. And he said... Daryl, that would be Daryl Royal. He said, Daryl tells me there's a linebacker in Tyler who's gonna make a move to running back his senior year and he thinks he's got a chance to be special. And I was thinking about you calling him and his coach and doing a story on him for the magazine and and uh, I said, Sure, what's his name? He said Campbell and I started laughing. I said, Some relative of yours, huh? You trying to get him a little pub? He goes, "Uh, no, not exactly name's Earl here's a number of his coach Corky Nelson call him and do that story have it turned into me in a week so that was the first story done in Texas football by Earl Campbell and I was so proud of it and of course they were right he was special and then when the magazine came out I had friends of mine calling me man that was a great story Texas football you did a tremendous job my chest was stuck out my dad read it he was so proud that night when I finished with my schoolwork, I went and I opened the magazine. There's my name, John McClain. I read the story and I'm like, that's not my story. That's not the story I turned in. And I read it again and I'm thinking, that's a hell of a lot better than what I turned in. And I realized that
0: Dave edited
1: everybody's story and you better be used to it if you turned in a story to Texas football magazine. because There's a good chance he's gonna rewrite it. And of course it was so much better and I never told anybody that Dave Campbell had rewritten my story for probably 15 or 20 years when I had up enough confidence to tell the story. But that story was carried in his 25-year anniversary issue of Texas Football, and I was so proud of it. And it probably should have said Dave Campbell, and at the bottom, also contributing, John McClain. But of course, he never took any credit. And that's who Dave Campbell was. He was the most selfless person I've ever met. He didn't have an ego. And you know, he's a World War II hero. He never talked about it. He didn't want to talk about it. He got the Bond star. He got a Purple Heart. And he didn't want to do anything that caused him to get attention. And I told him one time, I said, Dave, for somebody who goes out of the way to not get attention, you get a hell of a lot of attention. And he goes, well, it's not my intention. And I said, I know. And that's one reason everybody respected him so much. He was honest. I never heard him cuss. And we cussed like crazy around every sports department I've ever been in. But when Dave walked into the trip sports department, we were G-rated. He didn't say anything, but that's how much respect we had for him. And Biddle, his right-hand man, because those two guys were special.
0: Yeah, and there is just so much great respect that so many people have for Dave Campbell
1: i never forget another time, Michael, when Texas Sports Hall of Fame, we meet every June, the first Tuesday of the month, we meet at the Hall of Fame, and we spend the day determining who we want to be the modern era finalist and the senior finalist. And then once we determine that, we get a ballot from Jay Black, and then we vote on it a few months later, and then the Texas Sports Hall of Fame announces it. So one year, Dave was the executive director of our committee. Steve Fallon was the executive director of the Hall of Fame. And Dave called me the day before, and he said, I have a funeral to go to, and I'm a pallbearer. When the meeting's going on, do you mind overseeing the meeting for me? And I said, well, of course. I'll be happy to. So I got there, and Steve knew, and I told everybody, Dave's not going to be here. He asked me to... uh, run this meeting, so let's get going. And while we were talking, Brad Sham, the voice of the Cowboys, who's on our committee. He said, hey, you know, we've talked in the past about putting icons of Texas journalism in the Hall of Fame, but they won't hear about it. And the reason Dave wouldn't hear about it, I believe, is because he knew that if we did that, we were going to put him in there. And he didn't want that attention. He always said, the media and particularly reporters, we write the history, we don't make it. We write the news, we don't make it. And so I thought, okay, Dave's not here and if we were gonna do that, you know, who would we put in? And I said, Of course we'd start with Dave. So it turned out Steve Fallon said, looks against the bylaws, we can't do it and said, Well why why can't we change the bylaws? So Steve looked at the bylaws and said, Well you can you can change it and then change it back. So we voted. Let's change the bylaws so we can vote in a class of journalism icons who are long overdue to be immortalized in the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. So we did it. It was Dave Campbell and Frank Fallon, the voice of Baylor for over 40 years, Jack Dale, the voice of Texas Tech Pro for over 40 years, Kern Tips, the voice of the Southwest Conference, who was the greatest Southwest Conference broadcaster ever, and then another broadcaster was Vern Lundquist, one of the greatest in history. And besides Dave, the writers were Mickey Herskowitz from Houston and Blackie Sheridan from Dallas and Dan Jenkins from Sports Illustrated. So we said at the time, we'll never do this again. We will never get a class this good. And so we voted them in. And uh, then we changed the back. So because of that, a regular meeting ran a long time here comes Dave and Reba. And Dave goes, what are you guys still doing here? I thought I'd come see Mr. Fallon, and he'd tell me what y'all did and who we were going to vote on. And the room was really quiet. And somebody said, "McLean, you tell him. And Dave goes, tell me what? And I said, well, Mr. Campbell, while you were gone, we voted in a class of media into the Texas board. He goes, oh, whoa, 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 you can't do that. It's against bylaws. And we said, we changed the bylaws. And he frowns, and he looks over at Steve Fallon, Steve nods, and he looks back into the room, we all nodded, and he says, well, we're going to change it back, we're not going to do that, because we're not going to put media in there. He said, it's already done, and there's nothing you can do to change it. And while he was protesting, Reba came over to me, and she leaned down, and she said, honey, don't worry about it, he loves it, he'll do it, and he did. We had that induction separate from the big. Texas Sports Hall of Fame annual induction, and we had it in Houston in conjunction with the Touchdown Club of Houston, and it was a spectacular night, and I was so honored because Dave asked me to present him, and I did, and it was one of the greatest nights in history, and you know what? He loved it.
0: What is something that Dave Campbell taught you when you were a budding sports writer?
1: Dave told me one time when I was a young sports writer, he said, Mr. McLean, he said, there's a motto that you need to learn to go by. So what's that? He said, you write it or read it. That means if you get a story, you check it out, but you you write it. Because if you don't, somebody else will, you'll get scooped and you would not have written it and you had to read it. I said, I got you. And so one year, Baylor was terrible. Mike Singletary was great, All-American there. Baylor had won one or two games. Texas was number one in the country. And Baylor beat them. Biggest upset in the country. One of the biggest upsets in Baylor history. Just unbelievable. Next day, I was at the Houston Chronicle after an Oilers game. And I got a call. There's no cell phones back then. And usually I wasn't ever there on Sunday, but I happened to be. And one of my oldest friends from Waco, Robert Miller, graduated at Baylor and Baylor Law School. And uh, at the time, he was in Waco after the game, and he was at dinner, and he said, i got to tell you something. It's the weirdest story i ever heard. So what? He said, he and his wife and some friends were at a restaurant, Mike Singletary's there. And they went over to congratulate Mike, and Mike said, you know, he said, funny thing, Coach Taff ate a worm to get us inspired, and we were inspired, and that's one thing that helped us win. And Robert said to me, now, I don't know anything else. Just Singletary told us Taff ate a worm in case you want to check it out. And I'm like, ate a worm? I mean, why would he He said, I don't know. I'm just telling you. Check it out. So I hang up. I tell our night sports editor, Fred Fowler, I said, listen to this. And I repeat the story. And he's skeptical, but he tells our Southwest Conference writer, Jerry Wizzy, who's in the office writing his Southwest Conference follow to go in Monday's paper, he said, call Mike Singletary and ask him about that. And Wizzy, I'm not going to call Mike Singletary and ask him if TAP ate a worm. Give me a break. TAP, tap didn't eat a worm. John got the story wrong. His friend was hungover. I'm not going to call it. And he said, Wiz, you call Mike Singletary. And back then, we got numbers of players and coaches, no problem. So I'm listening to Wizard call uh, Singletarians from Houston, of course, and he says, Mike, Jerry Wizard from the Chronicle. Hey, Hoss, how you doing? Great win. Congratulations. And then he stutters and stammers and goes, uh, Listen, Hoss, um, I'm, uh, I'm uh, uh, well, we heard a story down here, and one of my bosses wanted me to ask you this, and I know it's not true. And, but I, 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 the boss said I have to ask you. So did, um, did Grant do anything strange before the game, maybe to motive? What? What? And then I saw Jerry pick up his pen and start writing really fast. And he's like, no kidding. My goodness. Wow. Okay, Mike, thank you. And he asked him a couple questions. He hung up, and he goes, holy bleep. worm. I said, that's what I told you. And then Singletary told him the story about one guy fishing that had the finest rod and reel, the finest bait there ever was, and he was supposed to kick the other little guy who had an old fishing pole and a few worms, and he was supposed to kick his butt when he came to getting the most fish, in other words, comparing the longhorns to the bears. But you know what? Uh, the guy with the fishing pole and the worm, he got the most fish. You know why? And the players are all looking up. They're like, "What's he? Where's he going with us?" Why, coach? He said, "Well, he knew how to keep the bait warm, and he threw the worms in his mouth, and then motioned them to go out on the field." And so they're like, "Oh my God!" And they ran out on the field, and they beat Texas. And of course, that Grant almost threw up and made sure he was able to spit out those worms. But that was the worm story. The Houston Chronicle had it. And a, a few months later, I was with Dave and we were going somewhere. I can't even remember where with a couple other people. And I told that story and Dave goes, you know what? I had that story ready to go in my Tuesday column because I didn't write a Monday column. I said, Mr. Campbell, you should learn to write it or read it. And he just smiled. And... uh that came back to him. We scooped Dave Campbell on taffy and the worm because of Mike Singletary. And I saw Mike Singletary, who is a gridiron legend of Texas, before the LSU-Kansas State uh, Bowl game at NRG Stadium this year. And I brought that up to him about the worm, and he, oh, yeah. And he told the worm story again. And so it was the only time Dave Campbell ever got scooped.
0: When we return, we'll hear more stories from Houston Chronicle writer John McClain as we honor the great Dave Campbell on the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by the Fairfield Inn & Suites, Waco North. When you come to Waco, be sure to stay at the Fairfield Inn & Suites, Waco North located just a short distance from the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. You'll start your day off with a delicious complimentary breakfast, and you'll also enjoy the Fairfield Inn & Suites free Wi-Fi, fitness center, and pool. Next time you bring your team to Waco, make the Fairfield Inn & Suites Waco North your home base on the road. Welcome back to Memories of Dave Campbell, featuring Houston Chronicle sports writer John McClain on the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast, presented by the Fairfield Inn and Suites, Waco North. John, we talked earlier about the Texas Sports Hall of Fame inducting Dave Campbell. He received so many honors, especially, as you pointed out, a really high amount for a person who didn't seek that kind of acclaim. One honor in particular was a night that the Touchdown Club of Houston put together for him. Would you please tell us a little bit about that night, John?
1: I'd be happy to do that. Sometime in the early 90s, the Touchdown Club of Houston, which is an organization here that's been in business for decades, every year they pick a Touchdowner of the Year to honor for charity. And among those guys has been like Tom Landry, Bear Bryant, Daryl Royal, Frank Broyles, Heisman Trophy winners. And they don't honor many media people as Touchdowner of the Year, but they honored Dave Campbell. And the Chronicle had a table, and one of the things that they came up with was to get as many guys as possible who had been on the cover of Texas Football Magazine. There were a lot of them from the Houston area. And I told my sports at the time, Dan Cunningham, who was from San Antonio in a Longhorn, I said, you watch the turnout that's gonna be at that event because of the respect that they have for Dave Campbell. And I'll never forget Lloyd Wainscott, who was a great lineman at UT. He was there, I believe, when Norm Bulash, a great running back, they were both down from the town south of Houston. Could have been like Lamarck in Texas City. Big rivals. And they were stars from the time they were sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And so one of them told a story about their parents and them couldn't sleep the night before. And they'd get up at like 4 a.m. And they would go to local stores to get as many copies of the magazine as they could because the kid was on the cover. And if it wasn't on the cover, you were inside. Dave used to tell us, when we were writing the high school sections, get as many names as you can in the story because the kids want to see the names and their parents and grandparents and family and friends want to see the names. So we would always do that. But anyway, Lloyd Wainscott talked about his parents couldn't find magazines anywhere in that area because the Boulogne family had gotten up even earlier and gone and bought every one they find. So it was huge competition in different parts of the state for people to get up early and go get them and buy as many copies as you could because you know there's nothing online. So you'd want to send the stories to your family members. You want to send them to your friends to see what a star Dave Campbell in Texas Football Magazine thought your son was going to be. I just thought that was tremendous. Listening to guys get up. Andre Ware, one eyes trophy at the University of Houston, 7th overall pick at the Detroit Lions. He, he was from Dickinson down there around Lamarck in Texas City, south of Houston. And he talked about what Texas football meant to him from the time he played at Dickinson High School and how much it meant to get the magazine almost hot off the presses. And listening to all them up there, all the people at our table, especially the ones that didn't go up to Texas,
0: they were just blown
1: away. Just blown away. And of course, Dave, when he had to finally make his acceptance speech, he was as humble and as graceful and as dignified as always, saying he was honored, didn't deserve it, but how much he appreciated it, thanking everybody for the nice tributes and, of course, buying the magazine, which was still going strong. And I'll never forget that night, ever.
0: That just goes to show you the popularity of Dave Campbell's Texas football and people couldn't wait for that magazine to come out every year.
1: I gotta tell you a story that I wouldn't tell it if I hadn't told it on my radio show on Sikkim Sports in Waco, but to graduate I needed two semesters of a language. I had taken Spanish as a freshman at MCC, but by the time I, five years later when I was trying to graduate, uh, I needed two more and I couldn't understand Spanish. So I met a Latin teacher, not going to say who he was, and I asked him, I said, I need two semesters to graduate, and I'd like to do it in the summer, and I'll come to class every day, and I'll do everything I can, but I don't have a clue about Latin. Is there anything that I could do that will, you help me get a grade, a passing grade, so I'm graduating? And he said, You write for the Tribune, right? I said, I do, Dave Campbell. He said, you write for Texas football, I said, sometimes. He said, if you can get me a magazine, as hot off the presses, it burns your fingers, so I can get it before my buddies, then you take my classes and I'll make sure that you graduate, as long as you show up and work your tail off. I said, I'll do anything. So I put my gloves on. Dave always had the first magazine off the presses and it was hot and I can't remember why I told him I needed to be there I might have said something like my grandfather's dying and he wants a copy and of course Dave's going to say sure so I got the second one it was hot off the presses and this was early in the morning like four in the morning and I rushed over to this teacher's house and it's no longer at Baylor and that been for a couple of decades and I banged on his door and he gets to the door and he's sleepy he's still got his pajamas I handed him that magazine, I said, you better get some gloves. And he took it, and I took his class, and I went every day, did everything I could, and I don't know if I would have made an F or what, but I made a C and a D, and that was good enough for me to get my degree and graduate. And thanks to Dave Campbell, I never told Dave that story, because I know he would not have approved.
0: But again, that just shows you the popularity of Dave Campbell's Texas football. I remember times when people would gloat about having it before the rest of us picked up our copies. Now, did he ever mention to you what inspired him to start the magazine?
1: Well, I know a lot of stories about Dave when he started working at the Tribune Herald, Jinx Tucker, who was a legend in his own right, was the sports editor, He'd been there a long time. And Dave was working on news side. and Dave went to World War II. And he came back, he got his degree, went back to the paper, and he worked there. And then I believe in 51, Jinx Tucker died. He'd been there like 50 years. For like 90 years, Waco had two sports editors, Jinx Tucker and Dave Campbell. So they put Dave as a sports editor. And one of the things, he loved college football. And Hollis Biddle, is right in. man, loved uh, high school football. And Dave respected it because high school football is the lifeblood of college football. So in 1960, they knew there were gonna be an NFL team in Dallas, an AFL team in Houston. So interest in football in Texas was gonna skyrocket. And the colleges were real good, the Longhorns were just getting to be great. Arkansas was great every year, a great rivalry between Arkansas and Texas, and Texas and A&M, even though the Aggies weren't very good. So Dave and Hollis were kicking around The fact that none of the national magazines, Street and Smith, College and Pro Football Weekly, Sports Illustrated, which was in its infancy. And they just thought that Texas was getting shortchanged. So they like, well, what could we do about it? And Dave, along with Jim Montgomery, who was a great writer at the Tribune-Herald then, and Hollis, the three of them came up with the idea of putting out a magazine. And at the time, they didn't know what to call it, and Dave said, you know what? What's more simple than Texas Football Magazine? That sums up everything. So they're like, okay, how are we gonna do it? And Dave said, well, first we gotta find out who's gonna be on the cover. And because the Longhorns were the most popular team in the state, of course it was gonna be a Longhorn, Jack Collins, and that issue, if people have it, it's so valuable, the first one. If you've got an entire set, it's even more valuable so once they decided who's going to be on the cover they went to work in hiring correspondents to help them and they wanted to cover the whole state they wanted to go to lubbock and amarillo and down in the valley and out to El paso and the golden triangle up through northeast texas and all points in between i don't know how at first they ever pulled it off but they did and their wives worked on it it was a truly a family affair. They were like one big family and they were all involved. And when it came out, it got a lot of attention. And it got a lot of attention not just in Texas, but this new Upstart magazine is doing a magazine devoted to one state, not nationally. And once Texas football came out and they saw how popular and successful it was, other states started doing that. Started a trend, a tradition. It was enormously successful. That's how I got started. Two sections. They was really proud of the Friday Night Heroes. I thought that was a great title for the top high school players in the state. And I used to go back a lot and look through my magazines and see who the Friday Night Heroes were. How many of them went on to be great players in the NFL? And it was so many of them because we played so great football in the state of Texas, and I grew up a die-hard Cowboys fan in Waco, and so I couldn't wait to read a section about the Cowboys, and then when I started covering the Oilers for years, Dave had me cover the Oilers, and then I remember when I did that and saw what I got paid, then I realized how all the top writers around the state who were a lot better than me, why they always whined about Dave being so cheap. He did not pay well, but It was such an honor to be in the magazine, and who could turn down Dave Campbell. Everybody did it, and that's why it's so prestigious if you were in the magazine. The last time I was in there, I can't remember when it was. That probably would have been five or six years ago. Despite being in this business now for 50 years, I was still so proud that I was writing for Texas Football Magazine. That's why back then it was a phenomenon that everybody wanted to part of.
0: And Dave was so great at getting the real story and getting it ahead of other writers. In
1: 1972, Baylor was coming off an era, E-R-R-O-R, not E-R-A, under Bill Bill, in which they were so pathetic that a lot of people demanded they shut down the program. So when Bill Bill was fired, never should have been hired, but he did, when he was fired... uh, Baylor fans like me, we couldn't keep up close enough with who was going to take his place. So I read with fascination all these people who kept turning down the job. And I remember the Houston Post had a big headline, Bears to hire majors, meaning Tennessee coach Johnny Majors, Bears to hire majors. Well, they didn't. It turned out to be wrong. He backed away. So Baylor was so desperate. They tried to hire a New Mexico coach, Rudy Feldman. Imagine today, Baylor being so desperate and hiring a coach from New Mexico and trumpeting it as a great hire. So they had a deal with Rudy Feldman. We thought, wow, this guy took them to a bowl game. He must be really good. And then he backed out. Another coach backed out. Jack Patterson, the AD, I bet, was pulling out his hair. And Dave chronicled every word. And then the next thing I know, At their 10th choice was some guy named Grant Teeth. And I thought, you know what? I've never heard of Grant Teeth. And so I found out shortly after Coach Teeth was hired, he was going to be speaking at the church, the Baptist church where we went, on a Sunday night. And speaking before him was going to be the singer, B.J. Thomas, who was one of the most popular singers in the country, with hit number one, records for a decade and he was going to talk about his battle with drugs and how he'd overcome it. So the church that night at Highland Avenue Baptist Church was packed for B.J. Thomas. So when he finished talking, three-fourths of the audience got up and left. But I stayed because I want to hear this new coach Keith. I remember there were no talk shows then. Some people were watching the sports on TV, which was terrible, but they read the paper. So you'd see a name, teeth, and think that's what it was. So the new Baylor coach stepped up and was introduced to Grant Taft. And I was oh, okay, well, now we at least know how to pronounce his name. And I'd read what Campbell wrote about it. And so Taft talked, and he blew us away, just blew us away with his talks, his stories, his intensity, his sincerity, his promises about what Baylor was going to do. And I went home and I told my dad, I said, I don't know if he can coach, but he can sure tell a story. And if he's half as good a coach as he is a speaker, Baylor may fool around and win three or four games. And Baylor won five, and he was coaching here in the Southwest Conference, and I might have been national coach of the year that season. But that's how I learned about Grant Taft. Basically, Dave Campbell stared me to him, made me want to see what he was all about, and I heard it, and of course, Grant is to me the most influential coach in Baylor history, and they should have a statue of him outside Baylor Stadium way they do uh, RG3.
0: These are such great stories, John. And I know there are a lot of people out there who would love to hear another story or two about the Southwest Conference.
1: The worst loss in Baylor history in my mind was 1963, Baylor and Texas playing in Austin, Memorial Stadium, Baylor had Don Truel and Lawrence Elkins, who at that time were the best pass-catch combination in the country. Covers a national magazine. They were big time, and that team was good. And they get to Austin, and I was listening on the radio. Don Truel threw for Elkins in the end zone to win a game. Elkins slipped, Duke Carlisle, the Longhorns quarterback safety. People forget they played two ways back then intercepted, Texas won, and I cried for like three hours. And my dad said, John Craig, if you're going to be a Baylor fan, you've got to learn there's three things, death, taxes, and Texas. And we're just never going to beat the Bevos. So I said, okay, I believe it. So fast forward to 1974, I was in my third football season working for the Trib, and I think I was... Uh, junior year at Baylor. Earl Campbell was a freshman for the Longhorns, one of the top freshmen in the country. And I'd been assigned to do a Longhorn sidebar. Lester Zedd, one of my closest friends, had just retired from the Chronicle. He was down to do the Bears sidebar. He covered Baylor, but Dave covered the games. And so Dave was sitting between us. Texas was whipping up on him And Lester and I were at the back of the press box looking out the window at all the fans leaving. And we walked back to Dave, and I said, Mr. Campbell, you know the only thing bad about being a sports writer? He said, what's that, Mr. McClain? I said, when you know your team's getting beat, you can't just leave with the fans. And he said, well, you don't know they're getting beat. I said, well, I do. They're going to get killed, and most of the fans are lucky enough to be able to leave, and we got to stay here and watch the second half and watch them get killed. I said, that's the bad thing of being a sports writer. He's a young man. He said, a lot of stranger things have happened. And I looked behind Dave and looked at Lester and took my index finger and rolled it around my temple like he was nuts. And then Baylor came back to win the miracle on the Brazos. And I went to the dressing room of Longhorns, interviewed them and listened to Daryl Royal talk to them. And then Royal asked Taft if he could come talk to his players. So I followed Royal out from his dressing room into the Baylor dressing room and I listened to him give the Baylor players a speech. If you beat Weiss, we'll take care of the Aggies, and you'll win your first Southwest Conference championship in 50 years. Baylor had just beaten Texas for the first time in 20 years. And so I remember going up, writing a story, and at that night, it was the lead story on all the TV stations. Not just in Waco, but Dallas too. Might have been in Houston. We just didn't get used to TV. And they all talked about they left the scoreboard light on all night. And then Admiral McCall and the president, Dr. Reynolds, the vice president, they were sleeping in the press box. So fans were in their cars, and they were just driving in circles around the stadium so they could look up and see the fog-shrouded scoreboard that gave the final score. And so my dad, who grew up a Baylor fan and used to take me to old Municipal Stadium over on State Street, what was left of it, and he would tell me the exploits of watching Sandy Ball and Davey O'Brien and Bobby Lane and Doc Walker, players like that, come play the Bears. So he said to me that night, he said, hey, you think we might drive over to the stadium and drive around at once so I can see the scoreboard? I said, sure. So we packed up my dad, my mom, my little brother, and I got over and got in line, and we're just creeping along about five miles an hour. And we circled the stadium. He said, can we do it once more? I said, sure. So I went around that stadium till sunlight. And I was almost out of gas. And I said, "Daddy, we got to go. Because I think he would have circled it until it was turned off. That's how much that victory meant to people. And Dave Campbell, I told him, I will never, ever doubt you again. And I never did.
0: <laughs> so he, in some ways, predicted or at least left open the possibility of the miracle on the Brazos uh, at halftime. He
1: did, he sure did.
0: <laughs> he, he opened the gates.
1: The <laughs> interesting thing about that game, the comeback started when Earl Campbell, a freshman, was rushing the punter. And he had a roughing the punter. That gave Baylor a first down, they scored. And we're like, whoa, okay, at least they're not going to go without a touchdown. And they scored and scored and won the game. So it was... Uh, Unbelievable, and I remember running into Daryl Royal at the Texas Sports Hall of Fame when they had the groundbreaking for the Southwest Conference Edition, and I talked to Daryl Royal about that, and I told him the story I just told about Dave Campbell, and he said, if you don't like Dave, you don't like life. And I thought, you know what, that sums it up. That's the kind of guy Dave Campbell was.
0: Yeah, and having been fortunate enough to meet him a few times, I would guess that pretty much anybody who met him would agree that he was just a really kind person, a really humble, good guy.
1: Pure class, first class all the way. i never heard anybody say one bad thing about Dave Campbell. And I've never been able to say that about anybody I knew who died. And that is a rarity. And I know he lived his life that way. He took a lot of pride and being that way. And if you, if you said, Dave, what's something you'd like to be known for? I don't think he'd talk about being a sports editor for 40 years, start Texas Football Magazine, all the honors that he won, including being an icon of Texas journalism. I think he would have said the way I treat people. One thing I learned after all these decades, 50 years in the business, was I did not know more about football than anybody in Waco. And i tell you, so many people worked for Dave who went on to be successful in journalism as editors, photographers, writers, broadcasters, and he took great pride in that. And every one of them would tell you they would not have been where they are today if not for Dave. And that's a fact.
0: And that just shows how great he was in so many different ways. It's one thing to put out something like Texas football. I mean, people have put out great magazines in all kinds of genres, but then to have the people who work for you become very successful, that's, that's another level.
1: It says so a lot about the man as a teacher and us as pupils, because we never stop learning from him, because there's never been anybody like Dave Campbell, and there never ever will be.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast presented by the Fairfield Inn & Suites, Waco North. Come visit the Texas Sports Hall of Fame in Waco and when you do, book your stay at the Fairfield Inn & Suites, Waco North. Be sure to follow the Texas Sports Hall of Fame on their social media channels on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Texas Sports Hall of Fame podcast and please tell your friends to give it a listen. Next episode, we will continue to remember Dave Campbell with stories from Texas football's managing editor, Greg Tepper.